Hello everyone, my name is Samuel Barker from the folk rock band Brightwire. Welcome to our new podcast called Music in the Minor League, where we talk to bands who are still grinding it out in the minor league of music. What is the minor league of music? Well, we're talking about those bands still out there playing dive bars, farmers markets, breweries, and the like, while living out of their vans, as opposed to those riding buses and playing your local arenas or sheds. To kick off the podcast, we, the members of Brightwire, discuss what led us to playing music, our old bands, and ultimately our path to Brightwire. Before we get to that, we do have a few housekeeping items to get out of the way, but we'll keep it brief. First, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it. That's the best way to keep this going and to find listeners. Second, if you like the bands and the music we discuss, please go follow them on your streaming network of choice. That really helps a lot with finding new venues to play and reaching new audiences. Finally, if you're interested in seeing our band, we'll be out at Ronnie's Hog Heaven in Dickinson, Texas on December 10th with Whiskey Dick and the subjects of our second episode, Grifters and Chills. This will be our last show of the year as we start working on some new recordings. Now, we're finally going to kick it off with a song from Health's pre-Brightwire band, The Grizzly Band. Grizzly was a band we were real close to and really led to Brightwire being what it is today through shared bills and now shared members. This is the opening track from their final album, Anywhere But Home, entitled Concrete River. We hope you enjoy it. Yeah. 
All right, man. Welcome to the first episode of Music in the Minor League. We're uh, Brightwire. We're the band that's going to be doing this. We'll be talking to local bands and artists about what they're doing. All the people who are in the minor league bands that aren't quiet up into the majors. You know, people doing it in the streets and the clubs around here. Playing your farmer's markets. Playing your tiny venues. Not the people who are playing all the Ticketmaster venues and things like that. So just like everything we do in this band, I come up with an idea and I just walk in. I'm like, well, here's my part of it. Y'all figure out your part on your own. So I'm joined by... Kim Barker. And what do you do, Kim? I'm a singer and a songwriter. I'm Michael Helfenstein. I'm basically just the comedic relief. True. But, you know, also adds those tasty Dobro riffs. If you say so. Right. <laughs> so the point of this is, like we said, to come in and talk to some people gives us a chance when we're not playing to kind of spread the word. A big deal with people who are at our level, I guess, is a lot of people don't want to take time to talk to you because they're trying to talk to people who are going to get them as much press as the press outlet will get. You know, you want people who are going to bring you up with them, I guess. And we're just worried about getting the word out on people, man. So you can learn about all these great small bands that are out there in the Houston area and eventually beyond. So we figure we would kick it off with just a little breakdown of us and how we got here. So we're going to start by hassling Mr. Michael Helfenstein. Helfenstein. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks, bud. So anyway, probably more so than either I or Kim, our good friend Mr. Michael Helfenstein has been playing a band since he was but a wee lad. Yeah, I think I was 14 when a a friend of mine was like, hey man, I see you play trumpet. How about you play a bass and get girlfriends? And I was like, well, sign me up. And so uh, I played on a borrowed bass for my first show. And uh, from there, I just started throwing money into an endless pit called music. And, uh, it hasn't paid off yet, but hey, you know, I've had some adventures. It's been fun. Um, I've been doing it for, I think I added it up today. I think I've been doing it for almost 30 years now. You know, wow. that's a, that's a long investment in anything. Yeah. You know, some marriages don't even last that long, but yeah, it's been, it's been cool. So I did bass for a long time in, in quite a few bands and then, uh, I took a break from it for a while and some friends of mine had a country band and they needed someone to be a sound guy. So I was like, I'll do that. And then one night we got done with a gig and the guitar player was like, hey man, you need to learn how to play this and throws me this little bitty tiny case. And I thought it was like a pull stick or something. I was like, oh cool, I can do that. I opened it up and it was a six string lap steel and I didn't know anything about it. And uh, he was like, well, you can find some videos online and stuff. And he goes, and also, by the way, in a couple months, we're opening up for Billy Bob Thornton. So why don't you figure out how to play that thing? And so I did. And I, you know, I kind of taught myself and I still teach myself. I don't think I'm But to catch you as- real quick so that in the future, Billy Bob will not attack us. <laughs> we are talking about the box masters. It's true. Containing Tom Petty-like <laughs> musical artist Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, true. Uh, and he was actually the drummer for that group in the studio. And then live, he's just the front man. But anyway, so you know, I got, got learned how to play a six string, and then I, I graduated to an eight string double neck, and you know, played in, in cover country cover band kind of thing for a long time. And then I got with a band called the Grizzly Band just to do an album with them to help them on a couple songs, and they liked my playing, and I liked their music so ended up doing a little more just did the whole album with them and toured with them and ended up leaving the country band and going punk rock which was great with a steel yeah, guitar it's country punk but yeah I mean it was it was weird did a, an album for Altercation Records and then did a bunch of touring and, and that kind of came to an end and Brightwire was needing a someone to add a little sparkle to their music and so they swooped in and grabbed me while i was in transition i think my exact 
texted Chad when he told us that Grizzly was breaking up or the Grizzly band, but when I first met them, they were Grizzly, was, so what you're saying, there was no like, oh, that's a bummer to hear. My response was, so what you're saying is that Hell, Scooch, and Nate are on the market. Very much so. And Keep I was classy. Up. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you know, get it get it while you can, right? But no, it's it's been a blast, man. I, I figured I would just do this for a little bit and, and then it just kind of became my thing. And uh, you know, it's it's been interesting kind of doing this because the first album did with, with Brightwire, I really didn't write much because you know, it was just like we need you to throw some stuff on here. Um and then when we did the second album, the, the recent album, uh Crack Flawed and Frayed, when that came out, I did a bunch of writing on that. So it was like I finally felt like I was actually contributing to this band as opposed to being some hired guy to play something pretty so it's been a great kind of growth for me All I was right. going to say never a hired gun because I don't no I was, I was saying much? hired gun <laughs> was true that there was like money being exchanged I mean but you know I get paid in food so that's kind of cool too I that's mean, true we don't. compensation's you. compensation 20 bucks is 20 bucks I was right no it is true <laughs> So it's funny because, like, say, coming up for myself when I was young, I also started out. I was up late one night and saw like a Primus video, and I was like, "Dude, what's that dude playing?" So I went and bought the album, and I was like, "Man, there's it. I'm playing music. Like, I'm gonna do this at like 15." Okay, man, six string fretless bass. Like, that's the first thing listed under Les Claypool, and I was like, "Dude, that's what I need, and it's gonna happen. I'm gonna be just like that dude." And then we went to Swice Good Music in Beaumont, and they had a four string fretted PV bass that was about the only thing in like the price range. So I picked it up got home you cannot sit down and play like Les Claypool the first time you pick up a bass not even close so you know you get the video you start working on your country bass one five one five one five and you know learning various punk songs I think I sat down like you know Sex Pistols records Dead Kennedy records and just learned all of that so See, that, that's so different for me I didn't I didn't learn that way I literally learned by ear like it was all like I gotta find that note and so I would just sit there and just wood shop until I found the note it was that way at first, but I remember was that we were doing research for our senior research paper. And we got to go to Lamar University. At the beach, we didn't really have a lot of internet or anything. Not a lot of people had it. It was still dial up. We're the coastal town where like all of our phone lines are mere seconds from just shattering into a hundred pieces and under the wind, dude, all the salt just ter- destroying everything. So it was really hard to get good internet signals. And this dude who was there was like, we we're talking about music stuff. So dude, you ever heard of like the Olga? So for those of you who are young, the Olga was the online guitar archive oh man i remember that yeah so people tabbed out like everything it was like an open source thing where you could find out how to play anything so i remember sitting there like you know we got ten dollars of stuff we could print out for our uh research paper and like i spent nine dollars of printing on music tabs and then like okay here's a few things i was writing everything else down on like legal pad so i didn't have to spend any of my money on the actual research for my senior paper (laughs) And that was it, man. I mean, I did all that because we didn't have a lot of musicians at the beach at the time. Yeah, I, just, I remember like a lot of times I'd go into like a um, like a bookstore or whatever that had magazines and they'd have like bass player magazines and they'd yeah. have the tabs in there and I'd have my notebook and I'd just start writing out tabs and stealing them. I'm like, uh, I mean, I would pay for the uh, for the magazine later, but I'm just at the time, yeah, you know. Well, you know, that was all you wanted. It wasn't worth paying five bucks. This is like five bucks in the 90s. Yeah. So that was a little bit more than five bucks now, I guess, not if you're working minimum wage, it's not that much more. But yeah, that was a huge deal. Like that's how I learned to play. When I first got a guitar, that was how by like my senior year I was like I'm gonna learn to play guitar because you only play so much bass by yourself you only can get so many girls with a bass too true 
So then I started hanging out with some friends and went out and got like a cheap SG, like Japanese SG ripoff and like a little Fender practice amp and just do, 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 and learn to play all of the, basically like the entire Dead Kennedy discography. Dude, I remember my first quote unquote bass amp that I bought from a guitar, guitar store. Was it from Chucky's Guitars in Texas City? And he sold me a, it was like an eight inch or 10 inch PV Rampage or something like that. Nice. Which is a guitar amp. Yeah. But I was so ignorant i was like oh okay I'll, I'll buy that and like i remember playing that and like taking it to shows to play and at one point like daisy chaining two of them together to have like 20 inches of speakers nice <laughs> i was fortunate the dude at the galveston the pawn shop on 61st in galveston when i came in to buy because it was my junior year somehow like something happened i actually ended up with some money somehow I'm, i think i actually worked that summer and they had this super i had like 500 dollars. they had this super cool jackson bass and i was like dude yeah it's like the dude on my like, you know all the metal records like on one of those like Wait. bright red pj like dude. custom ex oh dude i had the ibanez x series based when i first when i bought i bought it at a pawn shop and put it on layaway illegally because i was only like 15 at the time yeah. and it was it was like a, it looked like an x you couldn't like sit down and play it because it wasn't comfortable but it looked so cool <laughs> see this was just this had a regular style body but it had like the, you know the knife head like the yes. jackson american made and the only thing i had left was a hundred bucks so i was like i'm gonna buy this great guitar amp and luckily the dude there was just like you, you don't want to play a bass through that like dude it's an amp an amp's an amp <laughs> right you know reminds me there's like the we jam a Kano documentary where it's like i play bass because he's like mike watts like playing like four strings on the guitar he's just playing them like that where they didn't know how to tune he's like walks in stores like dude this thing's got like bridge cables on it man it's like that i thought you said you play bass well i do man but but yeah it was kind of like that like i don't know an amps an amp right noise comes out so then i went over the easy pawn across 61st and they had oh. a, a radian bass amp like a 12 inch speaker 99.99 pulled out my hundred dollar bill and they just let me walk out the door they knocked nice. that 8.25 off nice so that gets us both of us up to our high school years so let's Kim's just standing here looking at us. So let's hear. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, Kim, about how you started out singing. Well, I was listening to you guys talk about it, and it's really interesting because I think for singers, it's the same. I never really played a whole bunch of instruments growing up. I didn't like grow up thinking, "Hey, I want to be a, I want to play piano or want to play the guitar." My mom played piano and guitar, but like singing was always came just really naturally to me. So I think, yeah, I think you start picking out. Like I started joining choirs in school, uh, high school. I think was my first choir that I was in and then uh, show choir and then just fooling around with friends like who were in my choir class we would there were like six of us that got together and did like a three-part harmony group kind of like a Wilson Phillips thing because it was the 90s and just learning to sing with other people and imitating people like I used to have a really killer Reba impression why am i just not hearing about um, this why has this not been brought out at a Brightwire show because well, it's the same way as when you learn to play an instrument you don't know how to sound at first so you have to sound like the other person and it took me or i think it took me a long time to find my voice like what my voice actually is in the comments let us know so. if we should cover fancy i i vote yes uh-uh no. We'll let the, let the, the audience vote. No. I actually tortured Sam with a ton of Celine Dion the other day because she was uh, like very much, I was like, if I can sing with her, I can sing. So Yeah, that's kind of like the, the speed metal of vocalists. That's yeah. true. I mean, it She's, really is. It's very technical. But I grew up listening to Barbara Streisand and, you know, like great Broadway singers. That was what my mom exposed me to. See, it's funny that we grew up listening to a lot of that same stuff. And I did it as like, in my mind, it was like, my mom hates me and this is what she's making me do. Right. And with you, it was like, this is great. Total different 
perspective on that. Yeah. That's why when she was jamming it all the way on the other like a couple weekends ago, it was like I, I've been tuning this shit out since <laughs> I was twelve. You're like, why is she mad at me? No, what did I, I thought I do? it was gonna bother him. He just no. Yeah, little known know. fact: I saw Celine Dion when she was underground. Still, she was opening for Michael Bolton on her first U.S. tour, and that, that was my was punishment. punishment. <laughs> that was punishment for trying to throw a party while my mom and my stepdad went out of town. I got a lawn seat. At the Woodlands to see Celine Dion opening for Michael Bolton. Dang. It was yep. sick. I'm jealous. I've still never seen her in person, so live. I've tried to make it sound like it was really torturous over the years, but it was my first time to ever see live music. There were some parts that was not about, but it was cool to be like, oh, dude, there's dudes like playing instruments up there. Right. Like, I have a bass. Look at that dude. He's playing that. Like, that's pretty, he's playing a lot of notes. Right. And then what? Celine's probably younger than you or around your age. She was, I mean, she's older than she me. Was she's not, no, I mean, I was like 12 or 13. For her first US 14. tour, she was pretty young. Yeah, but she was still like. She's older than I am. She's okay. older than you, probably. I don't know. That's what we'll use health as our fact checker. Oh, are you Googling it? Cool. Yeah, why not? We have... Okay, Google. It might be just because she's <laughs> like starving herself to death. She looks older, but... There she was born in 68. Oh, okay. So she's yeah, she was 11 years older than me. Good Lord. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so totally confused. Let's just... She's rocking 54 right now. <laughs> so really, at that point, I guess I didn't even own a bass, but I did have this sweet guitar that a friend of mine gave me that had no hardware on it. That I just nailed the neck to the body. And that was really my first instrument. I'd put on records and, like, Whoa. pretend to play along with, like, this... See, I was I was guitar. classically taught trumpet, so, like, I have that background, you know, which is a weird background that has... I mean, it's helped me, you know, some, um, but it's totally like my approach to trumpet has to be very methodical i can play the notes on the page i cannot play jazz on trumpet because i'm so structured in my technical ability there but when it comes to stringed instruments like uh steel guitar i can riff all day long because it's just a different what mindset. You learn by ear yeah i, I totally learned that by ear so it's yeah. like ah, cool and it, it's cool because i eventually i realized there was a connection between notes on a trumpet and a, and a guitar like it took me a time i'm cool yeah. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no valedictorian here guys and so I, I put it together so then it started making sense i could pull some of the stuff the theory and stuff that i had so it made sense a little better but you have to do that math calculation in your head yeah transpose yeah, that's, and stuff see that's where i get thrown off i grew up i know the notes on a piano right because my mom played and but do i know how to translate that to any other instrument i've ever picked up no it's a lot of math yeah so but i can just finish this out and say like after high school i just had a dead space where i didn't do anything with anybody no singing i sang in church a little bit but that was it so i didn't really start like my whatever brightwater career until after i met you sam I know you were doing some stuff for like you had your coworker doing auto harp and singing at company things. Oh yeah, but that was I mean that was just for fun. Yeah, but were you like the person at church? You like everyone's like, oh god, that girl's behind me again, and she sings so good, and I sound like crap. Thanks. Well, you no, did, I was you always should... on like a praise team in, in church, so oh. I was always up on the stage. Okay, see so that's why you stand next to Kim and you just go and you just mouth the words. Right. Yeah. And I was like, man, that whole section sounds great. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. We do. It was all right. We're past our high school years. And that was kind of it for me, man. Moved to college. College is where I really had the chance to just sit down and, like, I'm going to play guitar. Like, I have no I have no life. I'm not living on campus. I just, I wasn't going to join a frat or anything like that. So, I was like, what do I do? I go to class. I come home. Program, had it, like, programmed in. Kind of like the kids nowadays with Spotify. But I just had, like, a 100 CD holder. And we would just, we lived at pawn shops buying, like, 50 cent $1 CDs. Oh, yeah. And he'd be like, okay, I can play all these songs. So, I'll just run, like, a 25-song set list and play along with them. And that's how I'm going to learn to play. Yeah, and I was kind of the same way. I got into these little, like, kind of, they were definitely garage 
garage bands, man. You know, and it was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna cover this Ramon song for fun, and it's yeah. like, and then we're gonna do this uh, Parade of Losers song, you know, and it, it, it and Misfits song, you know, like, because those were all attainable goals. Like it's like, yeah. oh, dude, that's like four notes. I got this, yeah. you know, and and it's like I was at the point where I was like, I'm looking at the guitar player, I'm looking at dots. If he's on a dot, I'm on a dot. Like <laughs> that's how we did it. Yeah, you know, and so then you just kind of like you trying to kind of evolve it after a while, man. But yeah, it was a lot of like we're gonna chop our way through this song and mutilate it yeah and we'll pretend it's good and then then you know you'd have your friends come over and they're like oh it sounds really awesome you know and so you're like let's play a party yeah <laughs> and then well, that's the encouragement you need to keep going yeah that's kind of how we did it i mean i played with like our friends budger and jacob and tim in high school we played together a little bit and same deal like we're just hanging out playing notes like we know like two songs we like green day and like you know i think we'd figured out like glycerine from bush only because it was like a half step down from green day song <laughs> like when i come around yes and uh it's basically the same riff and then we figured out 311 from watching a video and we were like dude we can play that yep. i remember that we're going to a party it's like dude we're gonna impress like every girl there we can play down by 311 <laughs> and everyone was like okay cool y'all done can y'all go away right yeah because you think in your head we're the cool kids at the party with the guitar what you don't realize is no one likes the kid with the guitar at the party right like we're, we're like basically like kumbaya yeah. it's like oh dude please stop and please go away yeah y'all so they, are wrong i just want to say no y'all are wrong there are girls I promise. They didn't materialize for me. No, they don't I mean, know I'll yet. They're real. like you. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, for me, even if they were interested, it probably just went way over my head. And I was True. just like, I was already way too into like, oh, dude, I think I figured out another riff. <laughs> right. Isn't this? Like, hey, that was really cool. Like, yeah, anyway, dude, so budger, man. I think we figured this out. <laughs> and then afterwards, after we like woodshed for 30 more minutes, it's like, dude, dude no one cares. <laughs> it's like, because y'all been staring at your guitars for 20 minutes. Yeah, think, man. Like that's that's how it was. Like it's just like this slow evolution, and you know you were unaware of the time it took. But everyone around you was like, "Jesus, are they done yet?" Oh, it's yeah. painful going back. Like I went was going through old demos the other day from like fifteen years ago. Things just maybe there was something a jewel in there. If there was not. No diamonds in the rough. Oh, it was kind of like still learning to sing. Because, I mean, I always got stuck. Like, no matter what band I was in as a kid, it's like, who's going to sing? And it'd be like, yes, you. And, I mean, you know, like I said, my biggest vocal influence at that point in my life was probably like the Dead Kennedys, which Yellow B. Offer couldn't sing his way out of a wet paper sack. So it was like, you know, and ha, me, ha, you know, real like <laughs> yeah. preachy sounding. And I was like, man, that was that's what I was doing. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. Like, every band I ever, I ever worked with, they always had someone who was willing to be the singer. So... I never had to sing. I was always, I always did choir as a kid too. And so I understood harmony and stuff. So they would lay down this stuff and I'd come like, oh, I can sing this part. And they, they'd be like, what, where did you come from? I was like, oh, I'm, I understand music a little bit. Yeah. You know? Just give me some time to get comfortable. Yeah. That, and that, I think that's the biggest thing is I have to get comfortable with it because I have to play it and I have to yeah. sing it. So I was like, it's too, too fold for me. Yeah, it's funny because even meeting Kim like before that, like I didn't know, like vocal was just something, you know, in your brain. It's like you either have it or you don't. Yeah. And I was like, I obviously don't. And then I started singing, working on more, playing more acoustic. Luckily, you know, through punk bands and stuff like that that broke up, started playing. So I met Huke and Nathan and Randy and all them, you know, which people from and started the Wayward Sons. Or I guess Huke already had played a show as Huke Green and the Wayward Sons. And then I joined that and then it just became like a band and we started kind of co writing after a while. Yeah, that was where I actually was like, okay, I'm going to learn to sing now. Like I'm sitting next to Nathan Taylor, who was really, that's how I learned to sing anything. Because at that point, I was still very much like, you know, trying to do the bad 
bad, even though I wasn't a big Lucero fan, like doing the bad Ben Nichols, like the, and I was, I'm, you know, trying to sing all gruff. That that was not a good Ben Nichols. I'm not, but you know, everyone kind of starts out that like if I if I kind of growly and do that, it's not my my natural voice. But if I sound like that, I'll sound cool. It did not work. So Nathan was like a beautiful vocalist, like same thing as Kim. I can harmonize, can do all that. So I would just like push my mic away and just try to sing what he was singing. And went like leaps and bounds. That was kind of a good deal. That's why I always say that helps so much to play with other people. Agreed. Yep. Just to have that come in where you have people around you who are better than you and stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. But even when I started singing with you, just when you were doing your solo stuff, when we, you know, first started hanging out, I was really unsure of myself. I hadn't sang with anybody in decades, you know. But that was always my favorite part of choir was singing with other people. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a bad soloist, but I really enjoy harmonizing with people. But you just, it takes a long time to get there, you know, well, it was to just find real. your voice. You thought you were going to sound like Jello Biafra for a little Yeah, bit, so. which like being in old bands like that, like I grew up with bands that had like gang vocals. There was no harmony vocals. Right. See, I'd never even heard of gang vocals before. You have to define that. So for anyone who's unaware, gang vocals, like if you listen to a lot of old hardcore bands or punk bands, like it would be like they would bring 20 of their friends and just sing the chorus where it's like everyone's same if, note. If a harmony happens, it's because one dude was so far off from the root that he just happened to reach a third. Yeah. <laughs> that it was just like, it was not on purpose. Yeah. Like bro him from Pennywise. Right. Yeah. That, that's the one that always comes to mind. Cause that's that chorus. There's like all your friends. I mean, you can hear bottles clinking in it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how you did gang vocals. Yeah. Well, it was like a girl a day in college. Got me listening to bouncing souls. A lot. They had a lot of that. There was yeah. just gang vocals. There was no harmonies. She was one of the first people that was like, I'll sing along. Think I was doing good. The radio. She was like, you know, you like, you're really flat. I was like, well, fine. She was like a classical pianist, so it was like, whatever, man. Do you what do you talent? <laughs> yeah, thanks for telling me, but not trying to help. No, it was great. It was always a good point. I learned a lot, like a lot, just in the little time that I was around her. Just, you know, picking up musical things, the way she would talk about stuff. It also caught me from being as pompous as I would, like, try to pitchfork people. You know, like, oh, dude, this is really like a minimalist band, and the way they do these odd time signatures is crazy. And they'd be like, oh, what's the odd time signature? You know, the, the odd four one. Four. <laughs> it's odd. I read it like in a magazine. That one you. adds up to seven. Right. <laughs> so it was good to get rid of that where it's like, yeah, I really don't know what I'm talking about. Having someone who knows, where, you know, you kind of fake it. And I use big words. <laughs> yeah. Some obviously deep. I'm dating a musician. <laughs> Have you seen the guitar? Like I can play G, C, D. Right. E and A. I use a tuner, okay? Like, you, I'm on a whole other level. <laughs> Do you know that if you play the, the fifth fret on each string, that it's like the, the open on the next? It's amazing. That's real deal. That's like real musicianship happening right That's here. That's theory right there. <laughs> and then really, it's another thing when I got to move next, really what made me move next level as a musician was the death of like tablature. If people started just putting lyrics with like the notes when they happened. Yes. And so then it was like, okay, F sharp is here. So then I started learning where it's like, okay, which was great. Cause then someone could walk up and be like, okay, this song's E, D, C. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you get to play that where you knew where every note was all of a sudden. Yeah. Once it, once it started making sense, it's like, oh man, I feel like a real musician. Yeah. <laughs> like someone says, yeah, we're going to play a C. And I'm like, I know where that's at. Do, 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 do. It's like, yeah, dude, what <laughs> yes. up? I can do that. But it was kind of the 
bring it back around to the talking about the gang vocal thing. So I remember we were my ex wife could sing, but she was a lead singer, you know, again like a lead vocal. She didn't understand harmony and things like that, which neither did I. So when she kept singing, it kept phasing out and stuff on recordings. I'm like, well, how is this? It's another voice. How does this happen? And it's like, oh, because she's singing the exact same note, the same inflection and everything. And I remember just always be like, I don't understand what's wrong. I would do like a bunch of effects so it wouldn't like sound weird, reverse phase, all this. And then with Kim, it's like, like oh my God, what are you doing? Like, that sounds amazing. Like, that sounds like real deal. It's like a no effects record. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> that was a bad punk joke where it's like they actually did harmonize. But, uh, you know, but it did. You sound like an epitaph band then. It was like, dude, like harmonies. Yeah. real harmonies and that kind of like brought us next level so that was kind of cool where it was like dude kim knows what she's doing i don't know what i'm doing whatever guys i don't it's i don't really you asked me once how i do it i don't know how i do it i just that's what i learned when i was growing up oh well, yeah but you understand how it works I like can i can sing it, a note but i'm like, like you i can find it in my head somewhere yeah but sometimes i can't find it sometimes i'll just get really frustrated when we're recording and be like i can't find the note i don't yeah, the then you is. have your, your Nana tantrum, you go. What we call that a nantrum? Yes. So, the nantrum. point being, we're not, you know. We are not classically taught musicians. We're not classically trained musicians. <laughs> with anything exactly. we do. But which is fine. Because our but deal we freaking was, love this. has always been like, yeah. you know, we're, we're playing songs for regular people. We are regular people. Yeah. We spend time. Yeah, I'm still learning to this day. There's points I've realized in recent times. I've actually gotten, the better I've gotten at playing our songs, like the worse I've gotten at everything else because I don't play a lot of other stuff anymore. Yeah, that's what you put your time into. All right. So it's like, oh, dude, I'm going to sit down and play all these old like songs, like all these runs and stuff I used to be able to play. It's like, dude, like single note runs are hard now. I've played just chords. Because with us, it's like, I feel like I'm the bass player and the guitar player. So I've got to hold the rhythm right. and the bass. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't want to step all over the sweet, sweet dobro runs and right. what kim's doing so that's important so anyway we'll bring it let's go back to you know more of the past we're still talking about the band so you know, it brings me to like i had a house fire and lost all my stuff or a punk band i was in broke up and i got hit up by hugh green which i was talking about earlier about you know hey i'm starting this ba- i have this band you know i'm looking for a bass player do you know anybody and we just like hit each other up on facebook on myspace like he had <laughs> started we brought it back to myspace right. well it was funny he just was going around just adding bands so I had punk band, but I'd also been working on some acoustic and like, you know, banjo stuff, like before I really knew what folk punk was, like ching ching ching. And uh been working on that and made like a little band page. Which was oddly enough, it was Brightwire. So it was just like that was my solo thing I was doing for a while. And it wasn't real, like I never played a show. I just did like all these little oddball things but out there and he just added me. I was like, you know what, dude? Like, my house is burnt down. One of the two instruments that survived was a bass. I was like, dude, I got a bass. And, like, the bass head, luckily I'd pulled out this bass head I had. And I had this PV cabinet that was amazing. Like, it made it through the fire. It had been through two house fires. And I actually, out of the fire, it had been taken and set in front of the house and set outside during Hurricane Ike. And it set outside, got put in the garage, sat there for a couple months. So I think I started playing with Huke around December. Put Set the head down, plugged this the speaker cable in fired right up it just played perfectly speakers didn't rot apart or anything wow and it set outdoors through hurricane ike dude that's just that's really like like an advertisement for pv no kidding their stuff can just last i know i end up selling it to our friend josh and he's like i'm gonna take the speakers i was like dude don't Don't speakers are indestructible but he probably did but still it was (laughs) good times so i ended up playing with him and it just led to meeting all these people and then our first show we played our second show we ended up playing one at rudyard's before our official show our first show we played was with grizzly 
out at the corner pub. Huh. Oh, wow. And just so happy because Hugh was looking for a new drummer, and that's when Randy and Nathan joined together as like a drummer and lead guitar player. And Rick was going to be the was drummer Hugh was talking to. And he's like, well, I just joined this other band called Grizzly. Dude, we're looking for a show. Can we play? And I was like, sure, dude, yeah. So we ended up splitting a night at the corner pub. So that was where we met them. And, you know, oh. that was, what, 2009? Yeah, it was right at my 30th birthday. Oh, y'all have known each other for a while. Well, no, no, no Elf was not in the, the band. band at this point. Oh, right. Elf yeah. wasn't in the band for like a while. Like, Wayward Sons had. We had done like a reunion thing. I remember we played it. The only time we played a show with Grizzly that Elf was in the band was at Molly's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that show with uh, us and you guys and those Crosstown Rivals. Yeah. And that's the first time I met those guys. That was a great band, too. Yeah, that was yeah. a band we got to play with. That was one of those lucky moments. Like, big deal for us was we played with, like, in 2010. We had we kept having these really good runs followed by, like, things falling apart, which I feel is, like, how this most bands go. Sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, we had this good run here. We played, like, Lukenbach, Texas in 2009 and played, like, all these great venues. And then, like, Randy quit. And then we found another drummer finally. And then he quit. And then so we did a whole tour the next summer as just me, Nathan, and Hugh playing songs. And then we went all over like the Midwest and came home. We found another drummer. Got together, we played with Drag the River, which is where we met Mark Potter, who was one of the people from NineBullets.net and all that. And uh, then through him, we ended up getting on the show with Grizzly and Two Cow Garage. And so we had all this stuff. I mean, everything was just blowing and going. And then our drummer went psycho a little bit after that. And and we played with Tumble Down too, which was Mike Carrera from MXPX. So we're getting kind of in that punky mm-hmm. country thing happening. And then, yeah, then Kevin freaked out and like quit the band in like the middle. I want to say it was like we had a bunch of shows lined up and then he came back because i was like dude i'm out like it just it got weird it was just a lot of weird personal stuff and that should not have been personal stuff but you know so it turned to a mess and then you know but it worked out good because then we kind of did solo stuff and eventually that led me to doing a lot more solo stuff and touring and then me and my ex-wife got a divorce and then started dating this little sweet lady that about five foot two no five foot <laughs> little tiny hobbit person came into my life <laughs> And brought all the other beautiful songs. Yeah. Well, I tried. Well, yeah. And then it was cool because we were doing like solo. We actually found some flyers going through our closets. We didn't have a show last weekend. So we, you know, actually went through our closet and cleaned it out for the first time in years. And we found all these old Sam Xavier Barker, Kimberly Daniels, tour, spring tour, this <laughs> wow. tour, blah, blah, blah. That with flyers we had printed up to sell, uh, send out. Yep. And then Kim actually started writing a few songs because I was just like, man, it'd be really cool if you wrote some, you know, scribbling words all the time. Well, yeah, because the the handful of times we played with y'all before y'all really started, like, she would be on stage and she would kind of sing a little bit. Yeah, it took a while before she got to where it was really like, okay, I'm going to sing harmonies all the time and everything. Yeah. And, and it would change. Like each night, it'd be like, she would sing all these harmonies on one song. The next night, she wouldn't sing hardly anything on that song. And it'd be like, hey, Yeah, man, I was super unsure of myself in the beginning. I hadn't sang Remember with when you did this last time. week? You should do that now. Yeah. It's yeah, been so. a while to, to get comfortable again, like asserting my voice and... Yeah. Well, I always tell people, man, the first time I, mean, I played in bands, like noisy bands, like all this stuff forever, sang in those bands. First time I got up on stage alone with an acoustic, I thought I was going to pass out. Like, it was scary. So it's like, man, when I make a mistake, there's no one else up here that's going to be able to hide it. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, be screwed up. Oh, yeah. 
hit the wrong note it's not loud enough to not hear when i went ah. well yeah that's like when, when me and chad from grizzly band did a, a two-man acoustic tour just kind of we just did it to demo out some new songs for the next album and we decided to do them like in boston and all these play and you're playing these venues where you know no one and you, mm. it, you're just like this could be really good or really horrible and if we screw this up there is no i can't do feedback or something cool to, to make this go away it's like that note's going to be there that's how it's going to be and you know and so yeah when we do the acoustic stuff man it's 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 a lot harder than like being in a rock band oh yeah you know like w- when we're out there like if it goes wrong it goes wrong wrong yeah you and, hear it yeah it's you usually can, my fault <laughs> that is true <laughs> <laughs> usually where i'm like what's that dude over there doing captain (laughs) distraction or if there's a a tv in front of you in oklahoma (laughs) hey you know at least we got that without the first night of tour it was fine but yeah yeah yeah. that is an issue but you know it's good i've also learned one thing i've learned from this tone i always tell new people who come up and ask for any sort of advice like kids or anything like like, you're gonna make mistakes get over it like it's a very human experience i used to do music press and everything and, and being a musician you won't hear it but you can always tell when like one of the guitar players head whips over and stares at the bass player the bass player kind of shrugs and you're like okay i didn't really hear it and i know this band but that dude made a mistake and i could tell by the way they looked at each other oh yeah and i mean there's no band that i've seen like i mean i've seen people up to like you know metallica or it's like just kind of that's couple notes they just had to slide down it's like you know but it happened nobody's it's hard to pitch a perfect game right but it's but it's not like you're playing with chuck berry who would if you drop the note he'd take money out of your pay for that note yeah you know that's a different story altogether you know (laughs) i mean there are nights we do it normally it's the night i realize like do i have not made a mistake tonight great and then like with one verse left in the last song it's like how's the song go i don't know i don't know how this song goes i just sang the same chorus four times but i don't know how it goes this fifth time see that's why i'm glad i'm not a front man i can't i can't take that kind of pressure you know i'll, I'll sit there on the dobro looking down not having to look out at people yeah it's just hard because i always don't want to keep my eyes shut the whole time but then it's like oh what's that dude is that dude about to fight that dude oh you never <laughs> you guys don't know the the imagine everybody in their underwear trick I mean, there's some people I don't want to imagine in the underwear, Well, but it helps. I'm just saying. And also, my choir teacher used to also tell us how to look just over everyone's heads. You know, like, so not looking specifically at the person, but just above their head. But it looks like you're you're making eye contact. But see, the problem for me is I have no frets on my instrument. So, like... I don't have that reference point with my fingers. Oh, yeah. Well, you definitely need to yeah, look Yeah, so I look down. You're, you're welcome, by the way. Yeah. If no, I didn't, no, thank it, you. Yeah, it'd be yeah. really bad. Appreciate that. Where for me, it's like this. there's this whole show happening for me as much as for them. So I was like, I can't not watch it. True. Normally, it's just like, but it, sometimes something crazy happens. And it's just like, like, where was I? Like, I think that dude just like, you know, like two guys are looking like they're about to fight. Or like, he tells some dude on the first day, like moves in on like kisses, like the girl he's with. You're like, yeah, bro. And just stuff like that happens where you're like, dude, you're like watching the show, like show happen in front of you. I have a hard time not being enthralled by that and watching it. So yes, we kind of reached the point where we know like we've we talked about the way we're sons broken we did all the solo stuff then like i said we poached health and then it kind of became a thing because yeah like you were saying you got brought in on place to call home but it was just for a couple songs yeah you were those, in Grizzly. Those, those songs were done basically y'all were just having me come in and just kind of you know sprinkle a little goodness on there a little atmosphere yeah i mean and, and that and that made total sense for that album because like it had already been kind of road tested and and you didn't want to i mean at that point i wasn't a member of your band so you didn't want me to write anything super iconic 
point because it's yeah. like, hey, where's that really cool part that I heard on the album? Right. Like, am I going to finger pick this far down? I'm not one of those dudes. <laughs> it's like has fingers. It'll stretch halfway down the neck. But I remember, I think it was the night before Thanksgiving show we did with When Particles Collide and Grizzly, where you actually played with us, like mm-hmm. the whole set. Had to like write. I remember taping all the stuff and then did some Ronnie shows where you played with us. Yep. And that was kind of it. So by the time it actually did become time for, you know, when Grizzly ended, it was kind of like, oh, hey, buddy, you've already <laughs> done a few shows. Why not just come play? You're already here. <laughs> Let's keep going with Brightwire. And, you know, yeah. it was good not have any unrealistic expectations of like, dude, I'm going to make a ton of money and this is going to be the best and we're going to be so famous. It was like, no. That's true. We actually have discussed like about how lucky we are that we all kind of have the same approach to it yeah. and that we're not, you know. There's no stress about that kind of thing. We all do it because we love it, and no, nah, we're we here because we lot love of doing fun it. Playing with each other, and yeah. I don't know what else weird, I would do otherwise. <laughs> I I'd probably be divorced if I didn't play music because Amber would have left me at this point. Because I'm hor- apparently I'm really intolerable when I'm not playing music. Mm. I didn't realize that because I, I was in a band for a long time, like high school through college, and right as I graduated college, it just kind of like we kind of just had this falling out and I was like, I'm just done. And so like, you know, you, you, I mean, this was a touring band. And so I had all this gear. And so you take it into your garage and you just kind of sit there and you, you look at it and you, you know, and what do you play? Well, you play the songs that you used to play with that band. And so then you get pissed off because you're not playing in that band. And, and then you try to start another band, but you realize you're just trying to replicate the bands you were in. And it's, it was just, and Amber said, she goes, yeah, you were miserable to be around for a while. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure I was the same because I mean, same deal. I ended up having kids and everything. It was like I remember, like I'm never gonna play again. Like it's over. Like I had one cheap acoustic or whatever, and then I started get. Then they got old enough. We're like, okay, they're little people, and they'll love going out and doing this. So you know, I was able to do stuff with them, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm back doing this. I mean, I went from like basically life's over. Like, there's no joy. Just have these kids, and I'm married. It's great. Got these albatrosses around my neck. Which I say that, out. but I mean, I loved my kids, but I'm sure they were tired. It's like dad makes us do everything everything with him because he has like nothing else so come on children we're going to the store come on children we're gonna go to the park we're gonna go hang out here they're like dad don't you have friends like dude why don't you go play that guitars in your room let us play with our toys without you come on kids play legos like i don't want to play with you you're old so i was like well cool man so i think it's good and i don't know i mean for you kimberly how did it make you you know why do you like performing and playing and doing music oh uh i think for me it's just been like fun getting back into singing with other people which is really fun i know the health probably laughs about how excited i get when you like write a harmony part because i like to sing with other people it sounds really cool to hear that other element that you can't bring to well not by yourself right you know you can't do it by yourself when you're performing live you need other people so i think that part of it was probably my favorite part It, it always has been so getting back to singing with other people i've also really enjoyed stretching you know stretching my legs as a baby songwriter and writing all my taylor swift i don't like you anymore songs and uh <laughs> just shake it off i'm still just a teenager all uh, the when it comes to songs. songwriting so all the red flags yeah. all right we're here playing with kim about her song how she's gonna run away and she's better by herself one two three <laughs> right well, what's really funny is that, so you, you brought up that song that we just we just started writing together not too long ago and i i read through the lyrics the other day and i was like oh my god this is almost the exact conversation that i have with my ex-husband when i left him like it's weird how that kind of stuff like comes back and you're like well, i didn't even realize i was saying that or right. putting that together 
And well, you, it's relatable. I remember yeah. reading that thing where John Moreland was talking about years after he wrote a song being on stage singing it. I'm like, oh, dude, that's what that was about. Like, I thought it was this, but then it's like that vision pops in your head. It's like, I guess I was harnessing that. That's a trip. I didn't realize it at the time. So I think that's the fun of it. Because Busta songs, Constantine's, you know, you're playing them a hundred times a year in front of people. And there's points where it's like, how do you keep doing? It's like, well, because the stories kind of change and the things that kind of how you approach it. So it's kind of cool that mm-hmm. they kind of grow over time. And even what's on record will change. Like you won't play exactly the same or sing it exactly the same. I think that's been my favorite thing to realize about live music is that it does not have to be the same every time. And I think at first it was frustrating. As like a harmony singer, it was frustrating when things would change on me because what I sing relies on what you sing. <laughs> so... But then I realized, oh, well, it's a, well, we actually had a conversation about it. It's a living, breathing thing. It changes the more you work on it. So I had to get used to that. All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for our first episode of music in the minor league it's probably gonna run at the beginning of december so we'll run this beginning of december then we'll start the real season in january so it'll be the intro where you get to hear about all of us with our self-serving things so when this does pop up we will be playing on december 10th at ronnie's hog heaven with whiskey dick and our good friends grifters and chills who will most likely be the people you listen to in the first full regular episode bringing you some cool bands heck yeah all right see y'all Thank you for listening to this episode of Music in the Minor League. If you like what you heard, please share the podcast with a friend. That's the best way for us to reach new listeners. If you enjoyed the band feature today, please follow them everywhere you can online and on your favorite streaming service. Now we leave you with a song from the featured artist today, which is us, Brightwire. It's the full version of today's bumper music called Better Off Gone from our latest EP, Ghost Best Left Alone. We'll see y'all next time.
Yeah, these dreams feel good.